Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman, here with Marcus Sedberry, student athlete, success, uh, senior associate AD with Baylor Athletics. Uh, this is part of the UCF DeVos Sports Management Program series on the power of sport. And I'm excited to talk to Marcus about his career, his journey, and how the power of sport has played a role in that, along with uh, what he oversees within the student athlete development world. Uh, Marcus, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Jay. Looking forward to it. So being a former student athlete yourself, uh, you ran track at Nebraska, um, grew up in, in the state of Texas. Um, what was some of your motivation behind getting into uh, the world of sports from a career perspective? And was there ever an aha moment for you uh, being a student athlete kind of transitioning into the working world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, my path into athletics starts really early because my dad was a high school um, head football coach and athletic director in Texas. Uh, that that tends to be a pretty big job. It had us traveling all over the state, but really opened my eyes to not only the playing of sport, but the business of sport. And I had aspirations of, yes, going on and playing in, in college, which I got a, I got opportunity to do that. But I also had aspirations of eventually becoming an athletic director. And I thought that becoming an AD meant I had to be a coach for 20 years and then eventually uh, I'd just be sold. They'd be tired of me coaching and they'd want me to, to be an athletic director. But turns out uh, there was another path. And I'm, I'm thankful early on in my career that I met Dr. Richard Lapschick from the DeVos Sport Management Program. He opened my eyes to some of the opportunities that existed early on in my career. Uh, and then as I, I went through my undergrad, I, I remember a distinct conversation as I was about to graduate, somebody showed me a picture of a football stadium full of people uh, in the middle of a game. And they asked me to point out all the positions and uh, like all the jobs. And so I, I pointed out the players, the coaches, referees, um, really was it. They started then to ask me about the signage that they saw that I saw on the big screen. And they asked me about the suites and the people who were standing in the aisles and all these other things and I never really understood that that all went into sports and that that played a role into the, the, the sports world. And then they point out a um, picture of a, a gentleman in a suit in the corner on the field and asked me what their job was. And I was like, I have no clue, no clue who that is. And uh, they, they just, they point out to me that, that that's the athletic director. That's the person who handles all behind the scenes, all the other things you point out, all the other jobs that are out there they get to basically be the CEO. And as a business major and as a sports fan and athlete, to me, being a CEO of a sports organization sound like a perfect job for me. So that set me on this journey of ultimately trying to become an athletic director. And so one would, one would ask, or, or you, know, you may talk to a lot of different people in the college athletics realm, and if they say, hey, how do you get to be an AD? the path is going to be different for a lot of, a lot of ADs, a lot of people, depending on the level, the yeah. place, the state, you know, the part of the country. Some maybe would say, hey, the path used to be fundraising and development. Maybe it still is. Uh, some would say it's student-athlete success where you are. Um, just talk about how the different vantage points within a college athletics department uh, allows you to experience a lot of different things in which you've seen. 
Yeah, a lot of the, at least during my career, a lot of the conversation has been around the BNAD, you have to do fundraising and, or you have to come the, the revenue generation route. And I think the numbers, I heard somebody earlier this week mentioned that the numbers are around 85% of sitting division one athletic directors have come from the fundraising route. And quite frankly, that was discouraging for me uh, starting out because I, I had opportunities to go the external route to, to, to start in, in fundraising and our marketing. And while my mind thinks that way, and I know I have the skills in that capacity, my heart said I wanted to be with student athletes. I wanted to be with people like me. I ended up having a career ending injury in college that took me away from being able to compete my senior year. And uh, that transition was really hard for me. I had other teammates who had that, those types of experiences or just had um, really positive or negative experiences as a, as a student athlete. And to me, I wanted to play a role in that. I wanted to be a part of shaping the minds and the hearts of the future. And I feel that that path also leads to the chair. And while I know it's not as common, again, 85, 86% fundraising, I think that my experiences um, dealing with coaches, I mean, I work with coaches from all sports. I work with all 500 student athletes. I'm dealing with parents, I'm doing recruiting. Like if you wanna know if I can sell something, if I can get somebody to convince them, <laughs> convince somebody from California to move to Texas or have a parent uh, convinced that they should send their son or daughter to a university in Florida when they live in California, like I can sell, I can do that. I just don't do it every day. Um, dealing with the faculty and engaging with administrators on campus, I feel like my experiences give me a very wide range of the experiences that an a sitting athletic director would have. And so for me, I thought this way would best suit my mind and my heart for the work that I do, but there are certainly people who do it different ways, compliance, uh, business office, of course, revenue generation. There are lots of different, different ways to get there. And as you're sitting there as a student athlete, you said, you know, you sat out your senior year. Um, obviously, the power of sport had a play on your experience, not only as a, as a student athlete, but then also as a professional to where there had to have been some inspiration to go and uh, do what you're doing now, right? How do yeah. you see the power of sport play a role in not only what you do now, but then also in the student athlete setting uh, now, whether it's preparing them to go on and be a CEO of a company or preparing them to be a professional athlete or something in between? Yeah, that's a, that's a loaded one, Jake. Uh, <laughs> the, man, sport is, sport is one of the unique phenomenons in our world that can do uh, a couple different things. One, I think about the word opportunity when I think about the power of sport. I think about the fact that um, it, it, it gives people the opportunity to play the sport that they love at different levels for sure. But it also gives people the opportunity to travel the country, travel the world, to, to be exposed to different um, lifestyles, to, to different uh, ways of communicating. Um, just the, the power of diversity is so rooted in, in sport. I also think about uh, opportunities to grow into the men and women that you've been created to, to, to grow into, or created to be. I think about... Um, learning how to speak in front of groups of people, like getting up in front of a team and giving a speech. I learned that in sports. Uh, I, I learned how to push through adversity. I learned how to um, 
in, in the face of, of defeat, get up and try again. Um, sport talks so much of that. And I also think of um, just the, the power of the huddle. I think of the power of sport. I think of the power of bringing people together from all walks of, all walks of life. And it doesn't matter skin color, doesn't matter age. Like if we're on a team together, even if you get together uh, a, a city rec league of people all ages, like once you get in the huddle, nobody really cares about all the other stuff that sometimes gets um, gets drawn out in our world. And sport has the, the ability to do that, to bring people together in a special way. And so I, I've seen that my entire career. I, I got to go places as a student athlete that opened me up to I never thought as a kid growing up in Dallas, Texas, that I'd be living in Nebraska. Like that, that makes no sense to me. Like, even if I think about myself now, like why would I ever have done that? Why would I ever go to live in Philadelphia as a Texas kid? Like I'm taught that you, most of my friends, they stayed in the state of Texas, but because of sport, it took me to Nebraska. It's taking me to live in Florida. I've lived in Arkansas twice, Philadelphia. Um, I've had a number of different experiences there that, that have, opened up a whole new world for me. And I think that's our responsibility now. And you talk about like what, how that plays into my role now. I think that's our responsibility to provide those types of opportunities for our students, open their minds to different things, expose them to different people, give them opportunities that maybe they would have never had, had it not been for the athletic ability. And then use those different opportunities to shape them for the rest of their life. We have them as a captive audience. We can, we can mandate that they have um, career program and leadership programming and relationship programming. Like we have that type of access to their life. And we feel like if we can do that and do that at a very high level, not only are we equipping them to have a great college experience, but we're preparing them to be champions for life. How has DNI played a role into the student athlete success world in the sense that it's something as part of our industry, it's constantly evolving and it's constantly changing. Obviously, NIL plays a factor into a little bit of it uh, in the coming years. But just as a whole, you know, think back to when you were a student athlete, like the, the robust resources probably didn't exist that they do now, right? And, and how that's kind of changed the power of the opportunity, as you mentioned, um, to be a student athlete and to take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, to me, diversity and inclusion um, is something that's critical to life. And unfortunately, based off of whatever life we've lived, we may or may not have had to really engage with it at a deep level. Surface, yes, but deep, not really. And um, I think in, in recent years, we see a lot more of attention being played toward intentionally focusing on diversity and inclusion. And I think that only makes us better. I think that only makes us better to, to learn different perspectives, uh, how people have grown up, what their experiences have been, how that's shaped who they are. I think it only makes us better to make sure that when people show up to conversations, they feel like they belong there they feel like their voices are, are valued and that they can show up and, and be their true authentic self. And I think that's what DNI has done or should be doing. And to see us partner that with sport and the power that it already has, I think it only makes it, it more rich and allows 
um, the, the athletic world to be an example for the rest of the world, for us to show how we do it, how we tackle it, how we're not afraid to have the tough conversations, how we're not afraid to put resources behind it. Um, I think that those are things that, that can certainly be a model for other people, other industries, and set us up for uh, a, better, a better world. And that platform you mentioned a little bit of is, it's bigger than ever, right? The, the ability to utilize activism, uh, kind of your own brand on social media, et cetera, uh, be able to speak your own thoughts, et cetera. Um, as you think about the leadership qualities and the aspects of being a student athlete, you mentioned the adversity piece. How do you go about educating around uh, the opportunity that they have, the platform that they have, and how to effectively uh, use it the right way. I think we're in a world, I think we're in a world where everybody has an opinion. That's no different. People have always had opinions, but now we just have a lot of different platforms and ways to share. And, and on one end, I am supportive of student athletes, professional athletes, people in general. If you feel strongly about something and you want to be able to share that, I think hearing people's points of view enrich our lives and our experiences. My, my approach has always been, though, be sure that whatever you're going to share in whatever platform, it's one that's an informed thought. Uh, it's it's a, um, an emotion that has been processed through as opposed to just a raw emotion. And that regardless of the outcome, regardless of the response, both now or in the future, that you feel comfortable and confident in what you're gonna share, what you're gonna do, what you're gonna stand behind, what you're gonna speak up for. Like I, I'm, I'm, I do believe that there's power in being able to share how you feel about something. I just think that any power that isn't harnessed in the proper way can do more damage than it can do good. And in a world where there are a lot of things that are damaging, I'm trying to help our students, our staff, help people understand that we don't need to add more to that. We can be authentic, we can share our thoughts, we can share our feelings, but not add to the drama, the rudeness, the just the, the defeat sometimes that is in our world today when it comes to these types of issues. Yeah, and, and sometimes I think it's almost forgotten that what you can just simply do on the field, the court, the track, whatever it might be, can through actions stand for a lot on its own, right? There's mm -hmm. a lot of ways in which just going out and winning right? Easier yeah. said than done, <laughs> uh, but going out and winning can do, can do a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think how you win and how you lose says a lot. Like how you engage with people, how you coach, you know, the, the way you, you interact with, um, with fans, the way the, the, the marketing team, um, like the type of music that they play, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a lot that's feeding into the experiences that we have. And I think the way we do all of those things, like all of those things are platforms that we have. If we look at them, you know, if we, if we really take a step back, all of us have a platform. As a fan walking into an arena, I have a platform. 
as an executive, I have a platform as the referee or the player, all of us have platforms and how we, how we engage in those settings, how we win, how we lose in the literal sense or in the figurative sense, all play a role. And as, as everyone plays a role, you know, you, you've had, uh, in, in theory, kind of that perspective, that, that insight into the high school world. Obviously, you played, but your dad was a coach. Obviously, you work in the college world. You worked for the Eagles on the player development, player engagement side. So you've had that professional lens as well. What's the biggest difference between those levels and, and quite frankly, uh, just the, the differences in the DNI space uh, within the, the, you know, student success, athlete success world? So from a, a high school standpoint, um, so I mean, I'll take this two different ways. From a high school standpoint and feeding through college and, and pro, the difference in the athlete is, is uh, significant. In high school, you have some people who are playing because it's just fun and or they just want to be around their friends or they don't want to go home <laughs> or there's a, in, in all types. My, my, dad, my, uh, my brother is currently a, a high school head football coach um, in, in the Dallas area. And he talks all the time about people who just are out there because they just don't have anything else to do. In college, you start to, to own it a little bit more, but you still have some people who are only playing because they were good in high school or because, you know, depending on what school they're at, it's an extracurricular activity, whatever case may be. At, at, at the pro level, these are grown people. Like in the NFL, those were grown men that had real life issues. In college, everybody's generally around the same. 18 to 22 years old, you know, freshman through senior, you kind of know the general experiences that people are going to have. High schoolers, same thing. You kind of know what high schoolers are going to go through. It's going to be some some drama, some, you know, some girl or, or boy drama at some point. It's going to be, you know, you, you kind of know. In the pro space, you could have a 22-year-old with four kids, married, and uh, living in a, in a nice ranch-style house or whatever, you know, what, paint, it, paint it however you want. And then you could have a 35-year-old who is uh, single and living in a condo in the middle of a major city and living life up. And to try to have a have a development conversation about all with all three of those levels are different, but especially in the pro space because they're in totally different they're in totally different spaces. You want to talk about finances for a young single person versus somebody that has a three or four kids? Um, that's a different conversation. So you have to be more customized with it. I think the same can be true for the diversity and inclusion types of conversations. Your your high schoolers, you, you might be talking more generally about how you're you're treating and respecting people, things of that nature. When you're talking to professional athletes, um, their lives are a little smaller in terms of their circle, but their reach is much, much grander. They, they, they literally have access to an influence on millions of people. So the words they say, the actions that they display on the field, off the field, especially in the diversity and inclusion space matter. So they got to be really educated on that. I think the education is important on the high school level as well, but the influence, like the, the trickle effect is not the same. One, let's just say a, a high schooler can impact hundreds of people. A college student athlete can impact thousands of people. A professional athlete can impact millions. And so I think the theme of needing to be educated is the same across the board, but 
if they've gotten to, if an athlete has gotten to the point that they're a professional athlete and they haven't gone through formal diversity and inclusion training, man, we're in a dangerous spot. And truth be told, that might be the last, the last available opportunity to get them that type of education before they go on into the world and never get it at all. Um, so I, I'd like to think and hope that we start started at a much younger age, the middle school and the high school. So we start to value people, treat people um, with, with dignity and respect. But I also think we have to have it at the professional level, because if not, we run the risk of people never getting it. No, those are great insights and certainly ones to learn from. And just those who are working at the high school level, the college level, no matter what division, et cetera, just understanding you know, the, the levels of influence, as you were saying, uh, let's transition as we wrap up the episode. Uh, I've got the, the definition of the power of sport for you, and then okay. we'll go a little bit of uh, rapid fire for fun. The definition of the power of sport. Yeah. The, uh, uh, I got to do it like in a, like a couple words or you want me to give you a, a whatever, whatever uh, it means to you, whatever yeah. it means to you. The power of sport to me means using a game to change the world, regardless of what game it is. Uh, the game can bring out the best in people and it can bring out the best in our world when done properly. And I think it's on us, it's on us as uh, leaders of all levels, youth sports all the way to professional sports. It's on us to harness that power to change the world, um, it's, it's on us to make sure that the young people that we're responsible for leading know that they can use that power for good and that when they do, it can absolutely change our world. Oh, that's great. I think, you know, just the, the ability to see uh, ultimately the change that can come from someone speaking up, someone's actions, uh, I think we can all, can all attest to uh, is powerful in the sense that it, you never know who can, it can affect. You never know who yeah. sees it. You never know what, how it changes that person's life. Uh, and if they decide to, maybe they weren't a, a sports person, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they were a sophomore in high school and just decided to pick up football just because of it. And then it changed yeah. their life. So I think there's well, so many different points to it. Well, and just think about this. Think about like people who are not sports people, but will watch sports and feel inspired. They'll see someone right. injured and see them push through the injury to play. You'll see somebody running the, the marathon and just like you could tell they're hurting and they just still fight through it. Whether you're a sports fan or not, it's sports still has the power to have an impact on your life. And that to me is what, what, what makes it even more special. You don't even have to be out there playing. You don't even have to like it. But it can still it can still have you sitting around the the the, um, the TV screen for Super Bowl and watching every down, even though you could care less about it, because sport has the power to do that. No, absolutely. It goes back to the points you made earlier in the episode about what it what it taught you, right? Regardless of whether you were learning from your dad as a coach, uh, mm -hmm. or you were learning from your experiences as a student athlete, or the injuries, uh, it all is relevant. All right, so let's wrap wrap up with some rapid fire. All right. Uh, you know, being from the state of Texas, uh, who's the go-to football team? College or pro? 
both. Well, obviously the college, the college is Baylor is all day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in, in Texas growing up, I was not a fan of any of the Texas football teams. Actually. Uh, I was a big fan of, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they right. no Randall Cunningham and, uh, Cordell Stewart were, were quarterbacks that I looked up to. So Steelers and uh, the uh, Eagles. Pretty cool you were able to live out your dream of working for a team that you were a fan of. That's, that's yeah, pretty neat. Yeah, it, it, uh, never thought that would happen. And it was pretty tough growing up as an Eagles fan when my dad was a Redskins fan and everybody else in my family was Cowboys. Oh, boy. That NFC East rivalry right there. Serious. Uh, man, all right. As you think about uh, – your abilities as a student athlete, uh, obviously you ran fairly fast, I would assume, uh, having run at Nebraska. Who is the one person you'd want to race against? Mm. Depends on if I want to win or not. The one person I, <laughs> uh, the one person I want to race against um, would be Michael Johnson, uh, 400, 400 legend. He's, he's, he's who got me into running and, and um, I think he's the greatest of all time. If you had to play a different sport in college, uh, let's say you had the opportunity when you were a senior, uh, what would you have played? So I got recruited to do football and track, but I would have picked basketball. Three-point shooter or, or were you driving in the lane? I'm point guard all day. Point guard all day. I'm locking down anybody who wants to step on the court and I'm getting to the hole on anybody who thinks they can stop me. I might not make it, but I can dish it off pretty nice. Well, it speaks to your personality, assisting others, being a that's, teammate, being a player. That's, that's what it's I used all to about. Get in, I used to get in trouble for not shooting actually when I played basketball. <laughs> like, Shoot the ball, Marcus, but he was open. Or that was a pass. Like, I don't know. What you, so. Hey, let's just say if you were to go play rec ball right now, people would love you. Oh, I'm the man. Ball. I'm the man. I'll guard the, the best player on the other team. I'll take it personal. And then I dish the rock all day. There you go. All right. Not only uh, have you been able to rise up the ranks in the college athletics world, but you're also an author uh, as well as, <laughs> as well as myself. Um, what is the hardest part about going through the book writing process? Believing that what you have to say, somebody wants to, read or listen to there, there came a point in my writing of uh, of bu that i was like i nobody really wants to read this why am i doing this and uh had to push through that self-doubt if you could if you could tell someone one lesson from your book bu what is it one lesson? Well, it's, man. Other than be you, I'm assuming that's the title. I, it is, yeah. Um, I, I say if I had to pick one, man, I would pick Don't Forget Your Last Name. And that is something that my dad would tell me all the time growing up. Every time I leave the house, he'd say, Marcus, don't forget your last name. Don't forget your last name. I didn't really get it until I got a little older and realized that there's a lot about who you represent. And if you're always thinking about who you represent, it will have an impact on how you carry yourself, how you interact with people and how you show up in the world. Oh, that's great. 
I think we wrap up with that one. That was fantastic. Uh, Marcus, appreciate the insights, the advice, um, the thoughts and perspectives uh, as a part of this series with uh, UCF, the Voss Sports Management Program and the Power of Sport. Appreciate the time. Thanks again, Jake. It was fun.